You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We're the answers. Hello and welcome to the Alzheimer's, a production of Galactic Netcast. I'm Gregor Sprague. And I'm Corey Scott. For all info on this show notes, or for, <laughs> fuck, I can't, I never get this one right. For all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other in, for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncast.com. On Elsnerds, uh, we're obviously very professional since we swear over the opening <laughs> of the show. So fuck you should yeah. expect more of that. And uh, then we're probably going to talk about shows that maybe you haven't watched yet or or know too much much about and we'll we'll spoil them so be warned if we start talking about a show we're probably not going to hold back if you need to tune out for a little bit um i, I suggest knitting the grand tour boy spelled penis i don't know what to episode, say to that the, uh, the uh, it's a spoiler for the last episode of the grand tour they they all wore their christmas jumpers um and the what does beat mean by the elsnerds.com isn't really a thing anymore? I don't know. He's distracting you from the show. So yeah, but uh, they all had their, so Jeremy had the um, McLaren P1 car with the P really big. Um, Hammond had the, was the Honda or Jaguar E type with the E really big. And then uh, James May had uh, the, uh, Nissan across there and with like as a cardigan so the one side said Niss and so he stands to his side and it went P.E. Niss you know the classic Top Gear humor I've never seen Top Gear so I have no idea oh god you need to watch it it's great it's funny I, I, I've heard that it's shit now so well the, uh, just the Grand, my speed the, uh, yeah the, uh, the Grand Tour uh, this last season of Top Gear was okay wasn't like what it used to be but i mean what do you expect when you have different hosts but hey this is not a show where we're going to be talking about that because i didn't put that in my nerding out um instead we got some news and um there's a reason why i didn't ask how you're doing because this is sort of like a double kick to the balls here because we have uh was it on monday or was it yesterday on tuesday um I think it was Tuesday. Carrie Fisher passed away. Um, she was uh, most famously Princess Leia, but uh, you know she had done a whole bunch of other things. She actually one of the last things she filmed is um, the, a British TV show. She had filmed the third series of Catastrophe, and like that was the filming that she had done. That then had her on the uh, plane over you know, to, to America that she had the heart attack and then, you know, passed. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing that this happened. Um, they did say that she did finish all of her stuff for episode eight. I know it's selfish to say that, but I know everyone's wondering it, um, who come to us for the news. And on top of that, and this is actually, in my opinion, a little poetic. Um, 
Debbie Reynolds, Carrie Fisher's mom, passed away today, you know, just a day after Carrie Fisher. You know, it's there's something a little bit poetic about that. Um, well, that she probably was very much under stress from. Yeah. I mean, here's 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 as I understand it. Uh, Carrie had a heart attack on a plane on Friday um, yep. and hit stable condition over the weekend uh, through Christmas. And so and in the midst of that, we lost George Michael. So what a great yeah. fucking weekend this has been anyways. But right when everybody is like, uh, fuck you, 2016, the force is strong with this one. You can't take her away. Memes were happening everywhere. Uh, be careful what you fucking say, uh, because yeah. uh, 2016 is like, hey, I got a dick right here. I'm going to fuck all of you and pretty <laughs> much just did. Um, so I'm sure that uh, Debbie now, obviously, being her mom, that <laughs> little bit older, uh, 84 years old probably going through a very tough yeah. few days on her own. Uh, I think the story said that she seemingly had a stroke and the same sort of thing is like they were trying to see how bad it was and everything. And a few hours later she passed away. So two legendary actresses, um, two legendary voices in, in cinema and, and in, I know more about Carrie than I do about Debbie. But I mean, Carrie did a lot of writing and some of her film work was based around her relationship with her mother. Um, maybe loosely, maybe not so loosely. Uh, Postcards from the Edge was a film that was basically about Carrie Fisher and her mom. So Carrie's voice has carried, so to speak, a lot of, of her life, her trials and things into films, uh, not just through her acting, which she's always been a very good actress. She's done a lot of things that people don't even realize, like they always think of Princess Leia. But I remember her being the uh, pre-Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, significant other in in things, like the man with one, one red shoe, um, the, the Tarzan scene, or in The Burbs. And then she showed up with Meg Ryan in uh, When Harry Met Sally, as her best friend and was brilliant in that, but she's just done so much stuff. And then I guess she was also a script doctor, which I didn't realize, but I guess as yeah. a writer, it makes a certain degree of sense. She's got a, just an immense sense of humor. So she's kind of this amazing woman that has dealt with a lot of hardships, has dealt with substance abuse, has dealt with bipolar conditions. And, and I think that's, that's the kind of thing that we, we've kind of missed sight of in 2016 is that we've lost a lot of really amazing people but a lot of the people that we've lost have been people who have had drug or alcohol problems uh now a lot of them recovered a lot of them had had certainly been been clean and were living uh better versions of their lives at that point but it's still it, it comes back i mean even people who we didn't see as drug abusers had overdose problems uh, be at the root of the things. It's 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 really scary to see how much the uh, drugs have have affected the the long list of of incredible people that we've lost this year. And I, I think that's just 
it, it's so tragic, but I, I'm kind of sick and fucking tired of the internet and its memisms of like, oh, well, we still have Betty White. It's like, do you understand that one, 2016 isn't fucking over yet? And yeah. two, uh, it's not like people stop dying when 2017 hits. Uh, it's not really that fucking funny to say, well, this person's not dead yet, so woohoo. You know what? Thank God that they're not dead, but shut the fuck up about it. Um, yeah. what, I, what I've enjoyed more, uh, sad as it is, since since Carrie actually passed, is just the amount of people who are just pouring out emotions of of how much she meant to them and and how much, especially young women, and and women of all ages now, but who who saw her as Princess Leia and saw her as a, a fighter, as the leader of the rebellion, as so many things that were so far deeper than what you would normally have expected or, or witnessed as a woman in a sci-fi film, uh, to see her part grow and become stronger, to see her have access to the force and everything, and just be essentially the the toughest, least wishy-washy character in all of the films. Like, she never stopped fighting. And I think that that's very inspiring as a character, and I think that the way that she portrayed that and the way that she kind of has lived that as well is is something that it's it's just such so admirable. And um and yeah, it's it's a huge it's a huge loss. Both of them are huge losses. But it's it's kind of I, I really have to think the takeaway from this is like I'm not I'm not someone who thinks that drugs should be illegal is certainly not certain types of drugs. Uh, I think that the pharmaceutical companies are more dangerous because they found a way to make themselves legal in the system. Yeah. And they, they found a way to do a replication of all the things that other drugs do. Um, and, and Beatmaster's pointing out and alcohol. Yeah. Alcohol is a great one too. I think that those things have, have found a way to work the system. And so their label is okay just because someone can get rich off of them. Um, but the the things that are are not legal are the things that often are at least more natural. If still bad, a lot of them are still really terrible for you. Uh, I'm not saying go get your organic heroin, anybody, but I'm just saying in general, uh, be fucking aware because it's it's gonna fuck up your life. Yeah, you know, and and your decision to do what you're gonna do, the only thing that you have to be held responsible for is is how it affects others. Um, if you're doing it while driving or doing your job or whatever, then yeah, you're going to fucking lose your job. You're going to lose your license. Uh, you may go to jail, but hopefully without actually killing somebody. But in general, it's not like it's going to make you healthy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not like yeah. it's making you a better person. So just, just be fucking careful. No, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher, they both will be missed. Um, so yeah, this seems weird. We're, we're on this. We got this weird pattern going on where every other episode we're going to cover a death. Um, look out, episode thirty-three. You know, but like and, and, I will be crass enough to just say the first celebrity who dies in two thousand seventeen. What a fucking thing to try to live up to. Like, yeah. just, like, hey, we're breaking a new year. Here's our first celebrity death. Uh, better be Kanye. Please be Kanye. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just kidding. 
But it better be Kanye. Um, send, send all hate mail to Don't Ask Comics on Twitter. Thank you very much. Yeah. I'll take that one. I'll own that shit. Fuck it. <laughs> Corey just gets like like 200 million followers. And all of them are like, fuck you. You know what? <laughs> but no. You know, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. One thing I will, I will, you know, echo about this before moving on. Is something that I think I remember hearing Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett say on the morning stream. Um, you know, in the beginning of the year when we lost Prince, Alan Rickman, David Bowie, like all like right back as like bang, 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 you know, or or maybe it was Lemmy, not Prince, but we lost Lemmy like, was actually last year. It was today, oh, last year that oh, we lost wow. Lemmy. Wow, yeah. But, but it, um, it just felt so 2016 at that point, you know, yeah. we were just getting to understand that Lemmy was gone when all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, what now? What is going yeah. on? But we lost, so so yeah, I think it was Prince then. So it was, you know, Prince, David Bowie, and uh, and Alan Rickman. And it was like, hey, you got to realize these guys are getting up there in age. And it's like, yeah, that's a weird thing because we, we like always like to think of ourselves as immortal, but we're not. You know, this is where, yeah, it's like people go like, oh, hey, look, haha, Betty White's still here and you know, I'm saying it's like Stanley. Uh, today was Stanley's 94th birthday, and and all that. And it's like, yeah, that's great. You know, happy birthday. It's like, how much longer? How when do when are we going to see the news report of Stanley has passed away? Um, and and that's the thing is is like there's the there's the sense of following celebrity news, following things, um. They're just like, oh, who died now? And everybody's reposting about it. Now, I understand emotionally we're connected to it. I, I bawled. I'm still not quite in a in a happy, comfortable place when it comes to Robin Williams dying. And 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 that was that was on his own terms, but it was in response to the fact of of health issues and stuff. I I understand the connection that we feel to celebrities. I'm not one of those people who's gonna piss on people for saying uh, that they they deeply connect to these people, even though they've never met them and don't know them at all, because we all do. You know, you connect to a song, you connect to a film, you connect to a story, you connect to a, a book or a picture sometimes. It's okay to connect to something. It's okay to feel emotionally responsive uh, to feeling of loss when someone who maybe only played a character that you loved, but that character meant something to you and their portrayal of their character meant something to you. I get all of that. But this concept of we're so tuned in, and this is the constant news feeds, is the constant uh, 24-hour CNN bullshit. This is the constant um, Facebook just plugging shit into your brain all the time. It's just the filler of like, well, we have to tell you this. No, you fucking don't. You don't have to repeat it ad nauseum. We don't have to spend a thousand hours thinking about everybody who's going to die or did die because it's so much more important to celebrate the people as they're alive while they're here. And I, I I think that you get in your head trip of, oh, well, how long is Betty White going to be around? How long is Stan Lee going to be around? That's that's a terrible way to look at it because Stan Lee doesn't want to think about his impending death. No, Stan no. Lee is going out there and fucking living his life. Betty White, that's why they're inspiring. That's why those people matter so much to us is because they don't act like they're old and ready to die they are more vibrant and more alive than fucking I am most days. And and I think Carrie Fisher was like that too. Carrie Fisher had a, a great sense of just zest for life 
and love and laughter and so yes it's it's horrible that we lost her but there's no decent age to lose somebody like that and and george michael eight years older than me you know it, yeah. it it's not it's not an age thing at all because it can sneak up on you it can happen easily in your in your teens in your 20s it, it could happen it happened to that guy on glee like just out of fucking nowhere he's he's posting about what the fuck is a sharknado and then the next thing you know he's gone yeah. that's that's some terrible heinous shit to to have to fucking deal with is like your whole life is ahead of you but there's never a part of your life where it's like i'm not looking forward to tomorrow and and that's it's so hard to just let go of the I've been devastated so much and this year has been so tough because all these people died. But at the same time, there's so many people that are around that are still incredible and that you still want to, and you get to see, you get to see their work and you get to enjoy. And I, I can't think that it's good for us to just pour on of like this person died and then this person died and then this person died. And, and Oh, how horrible 2016. There's a lot of fucking reasons that 2016 ain't good. Um, but death is just fucking inevitable. Death yep. is just fucking reality. And, and it's, it's never going to get better, but it's, it's just life is the other portion of it. And there's still so much life that we get to, to see and experience that we can't think about the death because by the time that comes around, we don't have to think about it. We're done. Yeah. So let's just concentrate on the good shit while we have it. It's one of those things, and this is probably weird for, you know, a 27, almost 28-year-old to say, but, you know, with being at, you know, I've went to, you know, quite a few funerals um, for, you know, like grandparents, um, friends from school. Um, I, I remember one, actually, I didn't go to her funeral, but um, – my one friend, she had died, and she was only like twenty twenty one when she passed. When she had passed, cause, oh, she got in a car wreck. Um, you know, just single car. You know, things she flipped and stuff. But one of the things that a lot of people will say for a thing of mourning is they'll they'll do that poem, the dash. You know, it's and it's basically what you said. But I and I think it's one of the reasons things like why I would I probably like okay i'm you are not no one is to recite this poem because where it might be true it that dash marginalizes so much of life like you you look at you know both carrie fisher and actually all three uh carrie fisher george michael and debbie reynolds you know all three of them you know that dash where it's some of them it's really short you know it's really short period between in that dash but yet such wonderful lives and all that and it's i mean yeah, yeah and this, I, I don't know carrie fisher i i've never had the opportunity to meet her and and i can't say that i have a a huge insight into her private life and thoughts and and dreams and beliefs or anything like that but i kind of just in my mind when I think of her, I don't see her as someone who is looking to have her life be talked about the the tragedy of her being gone as much as the the joy that she brought while she was here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
but yeah so that's our first story um our next story is how amazon is operating like a 1970s studio um i brought this up um it's this article is originally written by uh brian formo and it's this is all in consideration of their the beat you're not really presenting anything that i'm seeing um but the this is in reaction to um their latest movie manchester by the sea um this is the one that's produced by uh matt damon um stars uh uh, there was no image uh stars um oh what's his name casey affleck um oh okay i trust you guys then um and it's looked like it's it's a lock for for the oscars for best picture best director best actor best original screenplay and will likely get nominations for best supporting actor and best supporting actress and this is one of those things that i mean amazon studios they've only been they've only been doing these films for a very short period of time I mean, it's, you know, Chirac was their first one that they did. And that was what, two years, like a year, two years ago. Um, And so it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, you look at, oh, fuck, I hate this articles, the way these things are done. And I mean, and the, the way that they're, you know, that I feel like they are being done in this you know 2016 or you know 2000 1970s uh film studio is they're getting good name or big name directors you know not typically not people who have you know huge followings but when you say when you mention um uh let me see like like park park chan wook a, a lot of people might not know, know who who he is um you know uh, nicholas wending refin you know, people know who these actor, these directors are. I don't know what any of these people are. Um, I've heard of Nicholas Winding Refn, and it wasn't for the Neon Demon. Um, it, but it was for something else. You know, typically more independent movies. You know, these movies. You know, like we were talking before, the air. Like it seems like, like, like I, I have a big, you know, a, 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 a big love for independent movies. Um, and then be you know called me out on it with how many of those big movies that you love did you actually buy and i was like first off you're right second off fuck you third off damn it you you have to guilt me into this shit <laughs> be, uh, because it's typically like i would like like i told him is um you know taika waititi who's directing thor ragnarok I'm a big fan of his, um, and it, it came from watching what we do in the shadows. Done stuff, you know, with like Flight of the Concords and stuff before that, but it was what we do in the shadows, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude is brilliant. I love this work, and you know, it's like, and I have I have that. I, I rented that first, and then um, you know, I'm doing the same thing with the Hunt for Wilder People, and it was one of those like, I could have seen it because it was like you know the next town over they were playing it in theaters, and I'm like. I want to go see it in theaters but i didn't do it so i'm like all right i'm i want to buy this i want to buy them on blu-rays 
and you know with everything i've seen by you know for manchester by the sea um i'll, I'll even include uh the edge of 17 in there because that seems like a more indie indie film it's like i really want to see these movies you know they they intrigue me more at, at a more personal level than than a you know guardians of the galaxy or you know any you know any big big budget franchise movie would you know at, at least in a different way um but so what do you what do you think about this Corey? i mean so my wife asked me last night and i'm not even sure what she was asking it for we were watching of all fucking things we were watching peewee herman uh peewee's big adventure <laughs> <laughs> and because because she's in this group and they watch 80s movies together and unfortunately she watched that first not because it's a bad movie i, I really enjoy that movie uh but then she watched explorers after when i was going to bed and explorers is, is more close to my heart um uh, but wait, she wait, asked wasn't peewee's wasn't Pee big adventure directed by tim burton yes yeah and um so she asked me what an auteur was and and I, I kind of gave a, a half-ass answer of it, but basically an auteur is someone who's a, a filmmaker whose artistic influence is so big and so important to a movie that it, it it's it's like they have a signature on it. And in a lot of ways, Tim Burton is an auteur um, because you can tell, you can look at a Tim Burton movie and know that it's it's his. Um, you can you can see movies um who's the guy who did all the fucking stuff with bill murray like wes anderson wes anderson you can fucking tell wes anderson because they they spoof it you can spoof the shit out of wes anderson movie um because you understand it you can tell a tarantino movie it, it, it's the these people Maybe have because they signatures. swear a lot well that i mean <laughs> if, you're, if you're talking about his writing um yes you can tell a tarantino <laughs> Look at a Tarantino script utilized by a different director. Uh, Kubrick's is a very good example, although I kind of fucking hate his work. Um, and you, you can, when you see uh, Tarantino's work done by another director, it's very different. Yeah. And and I think that that's that's kind of the the idea is um, what what Amazon is doing is they're they're creating films that feel like films. Yeah, uh, that feel like what movies used to be, and and I get it, the studio from the nineteen seventies thing, because that was before we had blockbusters. That was before we had movies that were like, oh, how many millions are we making from this, and what kind of toys are we going to sell with this, and how are we going to get this on T-shirts, and how are we going to get this everywhere else? Uh, in the seventies, we had Star Wars and we had Jaws, and that changed the landscape for films. And I'm not saying in a in a bad way. There's nothing wrong with having films be successful. There's nothing wrong with having films that are less about art and more about entertainment. Cause I think that there's a place for both, but we certainly lost track. Uh, and as much as in the, the theaters themselves than anywhere of movies that can be made by an auteur that, that, that certainly we've, we've emphasized success and we've emphasized franchise so much more over the last 10 years, especially that to find a, a film that is, a story that tells you one thing that is meant to be all encompassed into its own, that is just there for the beauty of the art that hasn't completely disappeared, but it's certainly been devalued in film. And I, I get 
that it's weird to me that Amazon's the one doing it, but Amazon is one of the only powerhouses that has the capability of doing it. Well, okay. So you, you mentioned that and I counter with this um, because a lot of people would think, well, what about Netflix? Netflix does stuff here and, you know, and they get, you know, Golden Globe nominations for their stuff, um, you know, like House of Cards and, you know, productions like that, typically what's considered more television than movies. Um, but and here's the big difference with and why I think, you know, they're, they're being considered like, you know, a 1970s uh, studio. They have a platform they can release the stuff on. They're not using it. They're putting the films out in theaters yeah. as actual films. They're they're okay. working in the existing system, whereas Netflix is sort of subverting the system and, and movie houses don't necessarily want to play the Netflix movies um, because they know it's just going to wind up on Netflix at around the same time and it's it's not going to be as successful for them. So the movie houses are like, well, we have screens that we need to sell these seats in. Uh, you're asking us to house this film in one of our theaters, but if only 10 people show up because everyone else is watching it at home, the fuck is that going to do for us? And Amazon's like, we're going to make these movies. We're going to put them out in the theaters like every other film studio does. And months later, it'll wind up on our service. It may wind up on our service and not necessarily on DVDs or, or Blu-rays um, first, but you're going to get your time with it before anybody else. And we're going to make it so that it's important for people to go see it in the theaters first, which is okay. It, it's kind of like publishing versus self-publishing. It's so weird that that's the tack that Amazon is taking because Amazon has subverted the fuck out of publishing yeah. uh, when it comes to working with a, a book company. And they've, they've tried very hard to uh, break down the book companies in some ways, very good that they've done that. And in other ways, really underhanded shit. Um, so I guess they pick their battles. They pick the things that they want to do in the way they don't. The thing with Amazon is that it's never the short game. It's always the long game. And so, yes, right now they are working with, with the, the film industry. They're working with movie theaters and stuff. But I'd be very wary of where that's going to lead down the road. Because right now they're working with all these directors to get them under them. And what if Amazon becomes the new Hollywood? Yeah. You know, what if Amazon becomes the 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 next big movie studio that makes them like a Disney, uh, that, that they have enough people that want to work with them because they've got the, the clout and the money to do it. And so it's like, well, then we can just collect IPs just as well as Disney's been doing. Amazon is a a global phenomenon of what it does. Now, obviously, they're more successful in America than they are anywhere else, but it's still it's kind of huge what they do. And there's there's never a short thought to, when it comes to what Amazon does, what Jeff Bezos does. It's always like, how far can we go? Where can we? Where are we taking this in the in the big long picture? Because they lost money for years. They lost money for so long, just selling shit at the most undercut prices and benefiting by the fact that they'd ship it out and and you didn't have to pay taxes on it uh, because nobody was enforcing that shit for a long time and they fought that like crazy. Um, to put mom and pop stores out of business and then put the big box stores out of business. Yep. Uh, Amazon really upended everything when it came to retail and they're trying to upend everything when it comes to, I mean, they upended everything when it came to, to book publishing. They're trying to do it for music. They haven't got it there because 
Apple already had a foothold in that, and everybody else is just scrambling to get after them. Uh, they uh, have done it for comics now with Comixology buying them out. They've done it for audiobooks by buying Audible. So they've acquired the things that they need to acquire when they've gotten to. It, everything is just, at some point or another, they're going to twist the thing around and say, now that we've got you where we want you, this is how it's going to be. And that's, yeah. it, it's, I get it. It's, it's kind of like, well, at least there's great art coming out of it, but you always got to be aware. You know, someone yeah, comes up and, and big fucking check and says, I'm going to make your life magical. You better check to see where the fuck they're going to pull that rabbit out of because um, <laughs> you're going to be shitting bunnies. Yeah. Um, I will, I will point out that B is mentioning, you know, let, let's not forget some of the, some of the turd, the pilots that we've had through Amazon's pilot season. That I believe is them uprooting television, you know, more with tell us what you want, you know, what you want us to make, which it seems like they've gone a little bit away from that. Um, you know, with like what I would consider more indie television television, they they're still doing that, but the and other shows but the other shows still, you know, like like the tick, I don't think was actually one that they're like, yeah, we're doing it. Here's the pilot, um, and we're doing it. And and you know, I think uh, what is the uh, can't think of his name. Uh, Woody Woody Allen show, you know that I think I don't think that one was up for pilot. I think they immediately went to season with it. Um, but it seems like for right now they're playing in the movie theaters playground. Yeah, there's there's a difference between what they're doing with television style shows and what they're doing with movies, um, and 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 what people will watch on TV. I mean, look at Netflix. Netflix did the the demon shit pile that was the Richie Rich show for a season, and and nobody fucking watched it. But it's not like they're afraid to make shit shows because they fucking did it with Fuller House, which has gotten renewed because everybody nostalgic the fuck out of themselves and said, "I'm gonna watch some Fuller House." Um, and now they've got this Sorry. they've got this remake uh, or updated version of One Day at a Time coming out. Same fucking shit sitcom stuff that you would see on TV. The stuff that you would just tune in the channel. Like, who the fuck watches this? A lot of people. A lot of people watch it. All the Adam Sandler stuff. Like, Netflix <laughs> doesn't give a shit if they're if they're hitting the the base of the lowest common denominator because they're hitting the base. They just want people viewing it. And I think Amazon wants the same thing when it comes to stuff that's streaming on Prime, but that's it. That's one business. Yeah. There is the other business of the people who go out and see movies, and I don't know where their end game is with that. But there, there is an end game, and the end game is people will pay to go see movies if there's something there that's going to draw them in. No one's going to pay to go see Full House. No one's going to pay to go see. Richie Rich or One Day at a Time because that's the shit that's free that we've gotten used to being on a fucking UHF channel for years <laughs> and years. Um, and we're okay with that. But if if we're going for an experience, if we're going for either art or we're going for big blockbusters, I don't know if Amazon's at the point where they can do giant blockbusters yet. I'm sure that is something that they're going to want to go to. But right now, they're starting out with the art. They're trying to get the people's attention by saying, oh, we're Oscar-worthy. We're buzz-worthy. When everybody yeah. started talking about Transparent, that fucking blew shit up for Amazon and their streaming service. Oh, yeah. That was like, oh, shit. There's actually something on Amazon's 
this that I want to fucking see now that I can't see anywhere else. That's what it takes. That's what House of Cards and Orange is the New Black did for Netflix. It it takes the that moment of like, oh, they've got shows. Well, fucking CISO has shows. Fucking lots of things have shows, but they're all shit until they're not. Until you find the fucking magic that makes it work. And you say, well, we've made a few shows. We've got this under our belt. It's just like selling a, a spec script in Hollywood. You sell the script and it's like, nobody's going to fake fucking make your movie. No one's going to even think about it. But you're going to say, hey, but I sold a script or I, I have scripts now and I can write the next thing and I can write the next thing. And someone's going to start noticing and picking it up. And as you're getting paid and you're existing, you're getting better at the same time. That's what Amazon yeah. is doing. They're just fucking will ride through every fucking way because we have the bankroll to do it. And we'll get really good at it, or we'll get at least good enough that people will say, "I'm going to go to Amazon first. Yeah, because I know that they've had success. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, I I got to ask you this, Corey. Do you sometimes black out when you go on your your rants? I haven't heard a thing I've said for the last six months. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure because I know I do it sometimes. I don't but... even know what show I'm on anymore. Is this fucking? <laughs> Is this Sci-Fi Geek Club? Does that still exist? I don't know. <laughs> Are you Glenn? I don't know what's going on, man. <laughs> oh, if only I could do a Glenn impression. <laughs> Fucking sing it's, some headboard, man. It's It's been so long since I've heard, heard him. <laughs> we miss That's, you, Glenn. Yeah, yeah, we miss you, Glenn. Please come back. Um, but yeah, so our final news, news story... Um, because I had nothing else to add to the last one other than... I hear you in your car saying, thank God. I understand. I know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> our our final news story is Greg Capullo signs new DC Comics contract. This is the guy who, with Zack Snyder, or Scott Snyder, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Please, I, don't, I didn't mean that. It was a proverbial slip. Um he re, he did the batman uh series for new 52 um all the way through from uh from court of owls all the way up to uh commissioner gordon as batman let's face it he carried he yeah. and scott snyder carried the new 52 yeah for that five years until things finally flipped that the batman book was the number one selling book pretty much the entire fucking time and and DC until the end, I think Harley thanks, Quinn beat it. Got, yeah, Harley Quinn was was came in later, but was definitely it. It's the thing that surprised people. Yeah, but Batman was like, this was a a plan this shit out, and like we know that these guys can fucking make this shit work. But it's still a big deal because Greg Capullo for years was, I mean, he's not an underdog artist he's an amazing artist he's always been a really good artist but for years he was todd mcfarlane in place of todd mcfarlane because he drew yeah. spawn when todd decided he wasn't going to fucking draw spawn anymore and he did an incredible job of it but it was like oh but he draws it like todd does so it, it it's just like it's like reading garfield and not having any fucking clue that jim davis hasn't drawn garfield for the last 30 fucking years Sure. All right. That's okay. I guess it's weird, but uh, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, Jim. Uh, do you hate Mondays so much that you can't get up and draw your own fucking strip? Maybe you do. I don't know. It, it, <laughs> jam on, man. Jam on. Uh, yeah. But Capullo fucking took Batman and showed us that he is not just a Todd clone. He's not an anybody clone. 
He's a fucking maestro when it comes to drawing. Oh, yeah. And uh, then he went and he and Scott did their own, create their own book at Image. That's why he took time off. Yep. Now he's coming back. And they've yeah, got well, their... He's... Go ahead. And, and he's also doing uh, the... His primary focus has been with Mark Millar on his, imi his Image comic series, uh, Reborn. He's been doing the art there. Yeah, which and... means, what, three issues in a fucking decade, but the script already got <laughs> option for a movie before first issue came out? Probably, probably, yeah. I, and I have no problem with that. I mean, I, I've i got my fucking... Actually, actually you, you say that... And... Yeah. You you see that and the third issue I think came out this week. Yeah, yeah, no, I ain't fucking lying. <laughs> uh, I'm not talking out of turn here. I I'm just I'm gonna keep talking, but I'm just saying. For every problem I have with Mark's storytelling, with with Mark's uh, fucking Hitler mustache he had for a while, just with Mark. <laughs> uh, and, and it's funny because he's he's the one who watched Civil War and said, "Oh, Civil War, I couldn't fucking." Like I didn't understand the story. I couldn't tell you one thing that happened to that film. It it's it's nothing like the the cock ass bullshit I wrote down when I wrote the original Silver War. But um yeah, great, Mark. That's that's excellent. Uh how how's it working you being the spokesman for Fox's films, you dumb shit? How'd fucking Fantastic Four do? Sick my balls. Uh so but all the problems I have with Mark when he works with an artist and he splits things with them 50-50. Mark's level of success of getting shit made in Hollywood and somehow the film's like being way fucking elevated over anything he did in the comics originally. Uh, it makes the artists successful too. Yeah. And and so that's why I'm like cool with it. Yeah, you want to go work with Mark Millar? I don't fucking blame you. You're going to be fucking Oprah rich at the end of the day and good for you, man. Yeah. So Capullo, good. And, and not only that, thank the... you for sticking around and still doing fucking comics. Yeah, and not, not only that. I mean, I've I have been reading Reborn, um, and I did just catch my breath because I lost it there. I was laughing so much with Corey's little mini rant. I think I'm just gonna call this episode Corey's rants. <laughs> I'm just here. I'm just here, man. No, I know. I know. It's great. I love it. Um, Dave's gonna be like, "More! I want more!" Um, and I'm like, "Dude, there's no, there's not a switch. I mean, it just sort of happens." And this is just who I am. Yeah. Right, I'm just, I'm just loud, obnoxious. It's the middle of my week. <laughs> yeah, Gary Fisher. Said. But I mean, it's it is cool to see. Like, I, I do enjoy. Um, I've I've enjoyed so far the last two, two or three books that Mark Millar has done through Image. Um, with with Reborn, um, MPH and uh, Huck, but a lot of it was the art. Um, the like you know Greg Capullo doing Reborn. I love it. It's like it's like I'm reading a Batman story, but it's not Batman, and all that. And you know because I I relate the art back to his how he, he did over there, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is very. It, it's it's a similar process to going from when I went from Young Avengers over to Wicked and Divine, and then reading the back issues of Phonogram, um with uh Jamie McKelvey, where I'm like. Yeah, I see his art style. Loki looks a or Loki looks a little bit like Lucifer in here, and that's really cool. You know, some people might complain about that. I'm like, hey, fuck you. Um, I actually like that because it, it 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 blends it, it it sticks out more for me that way. Um, and yeah, this is this is cool. Um, the other part I will add with this with him sign with Greg Capullo signing 
a new DC contract is that there has been a DC Comics event that Scott Snyder and uh, Capullo had been teasing. So this just sort of solidifies that that will actually be happening. Um, so Which hopefully- I, I hope they're not in a hurry about because they're already opening up the new year with uh, the first DC Comics event since Rebirth. Yeah. which is the Justice League Suicide Squad uh, crossover. And I mean, I, I I get it. And they're they're certainly they're not hammering it down in the way that Marvel is on events. Uh, JLA Suicide Squad sounds like it's pretty self-contained almost in what it's doing. And it's not invading every other fucking title. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, the cool part is it yeah. seems like it's it's what only. um the suicide suicide squad book um jla um there was another one that i saw that i had just read as a little t- like a micro tie-in or something like that but then it's the you know the the primarily the it's ju- the books where you league. normally find those characters yeah the justice league versus suicide squad like there it's yeah. like a five issues thing or something like that but no so i mean this is pretty cool um i wanted to share this because you know it can't all be doom and gloom out there, folks. Um, so why not celebrate with a fellow who is going to be making some dollar dollar bills while he does the things that he loves and works with people that he really enjoys working with. Um, and that is the news, and we will be right back. If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. And we are back, and it is time for nerding out. Our this is where Corey picks something to talk about. I pick something to talk about, and we talk about it. Um, so Corey, why don't you go first? Um, you've seen the Magnificent Seven. I have, and and as as we're mentioning the Magnificent Seven, I should emphasize it is the 2016 edition, not the original, uh, not the spinoff of the original. Which uh, I don't know how that went, but. I, I'm also going to mention that I went and saw Rogue One yesterday. And I felt maybe a little bit not like they duplicated each other, but I felt a connection between the Magnificent Seven and Rogue One uh, as I watched it. Uh, but it, and in some ways, they're both kind of capery slash westerns in 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 a in a degree i like westerns i i don't watch a ton of them it's not like i watch old john wayne movies or anything else like that i didn't grow up with a bunch of those things but every once in a while i i get a hankering for a western now some shows i watch have kind of a western feel to them justified was definitely like that longmire yeah is is got that that kind of uh feeling to it but things like silverado one of my favorite movies, uh, Tombstone is is definitely a, a jam. And so I was looking forward to the Magnificent Seven. Uh, it stars Denzel Washington, Chris Pratt. Um, Isn't Ethan Hawke in there? Ethan Hawke is in there. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in there as well. 
Uh, and it, it's pretty solid. Now, I can understand why Westerns aren't massively successful. Uh, and even star-studded ones like this. I don't know how the film did. I don't know how it performed in the box office when it was out. But it is, like, there's not a lot of big effects to it. It's not like the fucking Wild Wild West remake with Will Smith where <laughs> it, it fights a fucking robot spider that was stolen from Superman Lives. It, it It's guys with guns, knives, um, fighting each other in the Old West, uh, shooting each other in the streets, defending their homes, defending the homesteads, defending the innocent in some ways, uh, fighting over gold or oil or whatever the, the case may be. In this, it's gold. And it's just, it's a, it's a good, solid movie. It's not surprising. Like, it's not one of those things you're going to watch it and you're going to be like, oh, this, this did something different and blew my mind or, or no, it's, it's not. It's, it's the people playing the characters are playing the characters. Well, uh, it suits each of them. It, it's, it, it's going to be one of those things that not everybody else, not everybody's going to make it out, but that's a Western, you know, fucking bullets fly and, and, and people didn't wash their hands before they operated on you back then. So good luck. Um, but it's solid. It, it's, it's, it's a genuinely enjoyable film to watch when you see the the impossible odds uh not the little guys so much but several guys going up against a fucking army to defend a town you know you get that that hankering for justice should prevail yeah. you know they've got a very good uh bad guy in this is it uh i think it might be Skarsgård or somebody uh, of that caliber um He's just got that good amount of creepiness, which is not a genius level villain. I mean, it's it's akin to Rickman as um, the Sheriff of Nottingham in Kevin Costner's Robin Hood or Tim Curry as the the bad cardinal dude in The Three Musketeers from Disney, which is always a favorite of mine. It, he's just he's just bad. He's just a bad dude that doesn't have a lot of depth beyond the fact that he's a bad dude. Nobody's stretching themselves in the roles here. Nobody's like making some fucking magic in, in their character. You, you see Denzel up on screen. You know it's Denzel, but you like Denzel. You see Pratt up on screen. You fucking like Chris Pratt. We all do. Guy's a stud. I, I saw him dancing in his underwear in some old fucking Star Wars Connect commercial today it was something i saw online i'm like oh man fat chris pratt i miss that guy a little bit you know it's totally chris pratt is great too <laughs> but i like fat chris pratt and uh <laughs> it's just he's he's always had a great amount of charm uh even when he plays the the kind of dickish dude it's he's still fucking he's chris pratt um everything about it is is fun so i'm not saying that you should go Spend money on this, but if you do, we've got the link. You can you can click through and get it through Amazon, and uh, and help out the the network a little bit. But if you're if you're seeing it hit up on cable, which I'd assume it's probably going to be doing pretty soon. I know it's it's on demand right now on Comcast, but I expect it'll probably hit stars in the next couple of months. Keep an eye open for it. Yeah, it's certainly not a waste of your time to watch. Uh, it's it's a good old western fun movie. Um, 
with some with some very solid acting, if not spectacular. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I will be keep personally keeping an eye out on that. Um, so my nerding out is actually a re re uh, re review of this because we already talked about this show. In fact, I talked about the show that I was watching it. What two months ago? I think not too long ago, and that's the newsroom. Um, I recently caught up on on the show and excuse me but i mean it aired for three seasons i thought there were there were 30 episodes total but it was it's like 22 i want to say like it's like i i watched i got i finished on christmas day um before you know the family came over to my grandma's house i was over there and i'm like oh my gosh this ended it ends so great but i'm like i thought there was more um so for those of you guys who don't know the newsroom ran from 2012 to 2014 um on hbo so it ran for three seasons um it was created and and was written by aaron sorkin and this is the um this is jeff daniels he's the lead where he plays Will McAvoy, he is um, the lead anchor of a like an an NBC nightly news type style show um, on a fictional cable network. And this is them. The cool thing that I like about this is the premise was it's not current news. This was news that had happened. Like I think the first season was three years prior. The second season was like maybe i I think again three years and the third season was like two years um with everything that they were covering and i i I talked about this earlier but on a previous episode but re-watching it i picked up on some of the stuff with neil um in here um neil sandpat played by dev patel where i'm like i never i didn't remember him pitching bigfoot all the time in season one and, and then it, it was the conspiracy guy yeah yeah neil was a conspiracy guy and then that and that made the season three with the edward snowden um sort of you know the WikiLeaks sort of thing so much better where you're like oh wait maybe he wasn't the conspiracy guy maybe it was just and this is gonna make me sound like the conspiracy guy but maybe he was he just had the blindfold he just had the blinders pulled off and stuff like that but i mean it's one of these shows that like i mentioned it before i and i did watch the clip that beatmaster put in our show notes of uh jeff daniels doing the will mac or will mcavoy on donald trump um sort of thing and i I mean everybody's seen the clip at this point i mean it's passed over from from both sides of things the will mcavoy speech uh, where he gets basically conned into going what makes going, america great yeah wh- why is america the greatest country in the world yeah uh the the young girl who asked him that and he just fucking he he goes we we could say he goes on a quarter rant i i can i can own that 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> as you do. Um, well, McAvoy learned everything he, he knows from me. Um, and it's 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 been passed around so much. It's it's certainly been. I think every side uh, people around politically get something, get some kind of charge out of that speech. And it's one of those things that Sorkin, his writing, really excels at. And the other thing about the the newsroom that I remember, and I haven't watched it since it was originally on, but so many great performances. Uh, people at that point in time that I hadn't heard of, John Gallagher Jr., we've now seen in things like he was in the the Netflix original movie Hush uh, as, a, as a killer. He was incredible in that. And then he was in... Uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane and was really good in that. He's showing up in more and more things. Uh, Olivia Munn, I I had already kind of, I mean, I liked Olivia Munn on different stuff, but <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I can't think of a better character that she's played and a better rendition of, of her in any kind of acting thing than in this series. Not that I've yeah. seen her in. I, I, I think she's so good in this. And it's one of those things where people are like, oh, Olivia Munn's in this. Well, you know, she's just from Attack of the Show and shit. It's like, no, fucking Olivia Munn owns I think, in this yeah, character. I, I think she had done, at this time, she had done, um, I think the Slam and Salmon and maybe a, a few other things post-Attack of the Show. Well, she was on that sitcom on NBC uh, where it was three different couples yeah, all, yeah, and I, I really dug that show. I'm not saying that she was my favorite part of it, um, but she was, she was really good at it. Perfect Couples. Um, yeah. she was great at it. And but this, this was like, this was another level. This was taken up quite a few steps because it was really great writing, mm-hmm. and it showed that in that situation she could be a really good actress uh or you could have her fucking stand around and not do dick for two hours and call it x-men apocalypse i don't know um <laughs> fucking waste everything cool about any of those fucking characters or actors sure do what you're gonna do man um yeah. but yeah i i just i i enjoy the show too what made you decide to go revisit it um it's well it's on amazon prime so there's step one um and it was one of those things where I'm like, you know, I sort of want to rewatch this. I sort, you know, because I had remembered, you know, a lot of the big bullet points on on there, um, from you know, and from us talking about it, um, with Glenn and with uh, Casey uh, Jerome Beck, um, who is a big Aaron Sorkin fan. But then it, but it was just sort of like, it, it was one of those like, I'd want to sit down and watch something that I've already watched, not something that I have to like fully devote time to. I end up fully devoting a time to it because I'm like, Oh yeah, this is so freaking good. This is so freaking good. Why can't I mean, we 22 do hours of TV is still a pretty big commitment. It, it sounds yeah. bigger when it's th- three seasons of this show, but when you get down to it, 22 hours is shorter, but it's still, it's not short. It's, it's not a day, man. And it was, yeah. That's and a and day it was, with some bathroom breaks. Yeah. And it was over, you know, about a month, maybe month, month and a half. Yeah, that I had watched it. It wasn't like I binged, binged through it. Um, but it was, it was just sort of like, like I, I think what a lot of it was was like the all the politics stuff was going on. You know, with the presidential election, and it's like, you know what, you know what, with 
a show that talked about this stuff that I really liked, The Newsroom. Um, and you know, I, like the, I like the fact that it was The Newsroom because The Newsroom was critical. Yeah. Of things and and it it wasn't so much critical of the president, although there's certainly points in there where they're like, uh, shit's fucked up, uh, because yeah. of the the Snowden things and stuff. Whereas I would be interested in watching something like the West Wing, although that's a fucking commitment because it's seven seasons, uh, I think. Seven twenty four episode seasons, I believe. Yeah. Um, and that's the the problem with that is I'd be looking at it and going, Oh yeah, this is what a president is supposed to fucking be like. Oh shit, we're so fucked. Um <laughs> So I would I would probably yeah. go even later on myself if I was gonna jump into an Aaron Sorkin thing right now is I might go back and rewatch uh, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, which I watched when it was on the air. I was one of the three people who did, uh, yeah. me and Matthew Perry's mom. But I really, <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought it was good. It was definitely well-written and, and had some incredible people on it. Or I'd probably watch Sports Night because I never really watched that. I saw a few episodes here and there. But that's super light. I mean, it's it's half hour episodes. It's only a couple of seasons that it made it. But to a lot of people, it was like this was the premiere Aaron Sorkin show. Yeah. And it'd be worth checking that one out, too. He's he's done some great stuff. If you only know him from his films, uh, the Steve Jobs movie or the the uh, social network. I mean, those are fine, but they are. Way more fictionalized than his fiction is <laughs> um, because yeah. he doesn't want to tell you the real story. He wants to tell you a good story and, and those things don't always meet up. So yeah, I, I, I'd recommend this series. Absolutely. No. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you can check that out on, on either HBO go slash now or Amazon prime. Um, yeah, that is it for nerding out and we will be right back. Does the sound of the TARDIS get you all excited? Are you a fan of the longest-running science fiction show? Then for all your news and gossip, check out Who Knew and Review. We're a podcast by Galactic Netcasts. You can find us at gncasts.com slash TARDIS. Each week... We will run through a collection of stories from around the Hooniverse itself at gncasts.com slash TARDIS. And we are back and it is our discussion topic. Um, this is the main the main topic of the show where we would usually spend the most time, um, but where, where we're going to focus on. And today's or today's topic, we are going to be talking about the shows, the mid-season replacement slash shows premiering in the middle um, uh, that we are looking forward to the most. Um, and I, we've got, you know, a few selections here. I've picked five. Corey, you've got four. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to start. I'll make it my- feel like 30. I, I know I will. Yeah. You know, no, yeah. not- <laughs> um, I'll start mine off here. I'm going to start with the one that premieres the soonest, and that's actually next Sunday or this Sunday. Um, and that is the Mick. This is on Fox. This stars uh, Caitlin Olson. And we were talking about this one in the beginning. And I don't know exactly why, but the show, it reminds me, like, why I want to watch it. Because 
it reminds me exact almost exactly like of the show that also was on Fox called Sons of Two or Sons of Tucson. And and remind me how that show did. Um, I believe it got canceled halfway through its mid season run, and then all the episodes got burned off. I know this because this is the show I learned what's burning off meant when it came to television, thanks to one don't tell Glenn Rubenstein. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I I'm uh, nothing against Tyler Labine, who was the lead in Sons of Tucson. We we talked about this a little bit pre-show. Perfectly enjoyable guy. Uh, it seems to have been sitcom death everywhere he's turned. But uh, sure, whatever. Caitlin Olsen <laughs> is hopefully, I mean, if you go off of how she's been in Always Sunny, if you've watched her other things, I saw her in Finding Dora the other day. I mean, she was only voicing a, a whale, but she was great in it. Um, she definitely has the the chops to run a show i think at this point um yeah. and and i think that she can play this kind of character really well that unlikable never growing up character it's not vastly different from what she's doing on always sunny although she's maybe a little bit more uh of mac or charlie in this than she is sweet d but it's close and that hopefully will work for her i keep seeing the commercials my god they are beating the shit out of you with the commercials on fox right now yeah but that that means that they're at least trying to show that they believe in it and they're doing everything get they can to get people to watch it so hopefully no yeah um Corey, you want to do one of your shows yeah so uh, i will start off one of the things that i'm actually looking forward to probably more than I, I would have expected because I, I never read the books and I was not a fan of the the original incarnation of the movie with Jim Carrey. But a series of unfortunate events uh, is coming to Netflix as an original series. And this is starring Neil Patrick Harris and, um, oh God, the, the, the tick, the fucking... The, Brock Sampson is playing Lemony Snicket as the narrator for it. Um, nice. Yeah, it. I saw the preview a few months ago, and it's one of those things. My wife read the or was reading the Lemony Snicket books when they were coming out, and she was really into it. And then we got the movie, and she did not enjoy the movie either. Uh, but she had she had something to compare it to. I saw this, and I'm like, I think she might be into this. I think she could. Enjoy this. It looks well done and it looks funny as opposed to just weird that Jim Carrey brought weirdness to it. This looks like there's actual humor there and you kind of feel for the kids. And the fact that it's Netflix is they kind of know what they're doing when they're picking. We talked about this a little bit earlier. They know what they're doing when they're they're picking their shows and how to how to make them for the right audience that they're trying to reach. I think this one is gonna this is gonna be banging. Yeah. It's it's body be banging, as one of our other favorite shows would say. Um mine my next show, it's uh real quick because I mean it's it's one of those shows that we're we're both I think we both watched this one. Um 
and this airs both on in America and in England at the same time. It's premiering New Year's Day, and that's Sherlock. And this is series four slash season four. And yeah, this is one that I'm like, all right, we can we get it's it's weird because I I respect the film industries, you know, the movie industries with the fact that we have big name actors in here, you know, with you know, with um Benedict Cumberbatch, Martin Freeman. Making that fucking Marvel money now, man. Yeah, making the Marvel money here to where it's like it's gonna take time away. And it's like, but like at the same time, it's like, I know you guys got so many stories you could possibly be telling. And this is coming from a guy who um I don't know if you remember the show, but my first taste into Sherlock Holmes was the animated show that was on Fox uh Kids, uh Sherlock Holmes in the twenty second century. Yep. Um, that was my first one, and I read a little bit of the actual of like the the novels um, that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote. But it was like this that really I really enjoyed, and you know, I'll admit I did come in from the Doctor Who side of, you know, okay, Stephen Moffat's writing this with uh, Mark Gaddis, so I, I'll, I'll I'll check it out. And then I'm like, holy cow, I love this! This is so cool. Um. Yeah, there's what three episodes coming out, um, you know, airing on Sunday, starting on the first. So it's the first ten or first ninth or no, first eighth, and then whatever. Add seven to eight. I don't want to do that right now. Now is um, this going to be playing at the same time in America as it's playing? It's a five hour delay, I believe. So it'll okay, be... but but the same days. It's not yeah. going to dick me around and make me second guess when it's going to fucking air here. <laughs> I believe it's going to be like a five, like just the five hour, you know, after it's not going to be like um, a lot of other uh, British shows that air over here in America. Graham Norton show. Um, sorry, I have that weird cough going on right now where it's an eight day delay or not even eight days. It's almost 10 and all that. It's just weird how some of these shows that it takes a while, but I think it is going to be right after, um, you know, like, it airs at like 10 p.m. over in England, and then it airs, you know, 10 p.m. over here, and all that. Well, the the other thing is that I mean, when the Christmas special happened last year, I want to remind you people, fucking last year. So it's been a year without a Sherlock, um, and 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 a big jump from before that to when we had like the season or series of Sherlock. To here's something to just just a little. Uh, there's just something to tide you over uh fucking make it last it i for some reason my dvr did not record it or maybe i missed recording it uh something just fucked me and so i didn't get to see it for a long time until it finally showed up on netflix and then when it showed up on netflix i was like well do i want to fucking watch or do i want to watch all the fucking sherlock again so i i did watch it not too long ago um and got really excited for sherlock again and i hadn't been in a long time because out of sight out of fucking mind but and, and i was a little bitter so great that now it's coming back and thank you for fucking reminding me because i would have fucking missed it again and been pissed yeah, no problem that's what i'm here for um but and i will add that i mean yeah this is one of the, this is one of those shows that i could sit there i could sit back and watch and this does take more devotion because where it's only what four four seasons slash series um 
with three episodes each plus a Christmas episode, so 13 episodes after this is done, they're all an hour and a half long. You know, they are, it is some time consuming stuff here. But the thing about Sherlock is that because they're treated like mini movies, is it's not that episodic thing where you go from one episode to the next. You feel like, oh, I've just got to jump right in the next one. You get a completion after each episode. You you get a, a, yeah. a beginning, a middle, and an end for each thing, and that's that's different. It it feels that Doctor Who has gotten to where they're doing two episodes kind of in a row, like a part one and a part two for the last couple of seasons, as I recall last I watched it. Yeah. Um and that's not even so bad because it works out to about the same amount of time. Um, but it's not like Twin Peaks where you're like, Oh, I finished that episode. Here's the next nine. Uh, cause I can't stop watching. Like, there, <laughs> yeah. there's, a, there's a definite, like yeah. you, you, you've shot up, you've, you've tied off, but you could, you can, you can let that go now as I go back to my drug references, please don't do them. Um, <laughs> because you can, you can stop, you can go and potty and look outside and maybe go to work. So you don't get fucking fired. You heebie jeebie. Just, you just know it'll still be there when you come home later and you, you get a nice new fresh start. It's fun. Yeah. And I will add just on a personal note here. Um, when I started watching Sherlock, the first season, when it came out, um, they had on PBS on their masterpiece selection, the movie that was uh, starred Christopher Eccleston. That was a, a John Lennon biopic. And they had Moriarty, the actor who plays Moriarty in here, playing um i can't remember which beetle it was but he i think he played one of the beetles and it was it was cool to see like at the same time as i'm watching him you know being moriarty i flip it over and i'm like well what is this tell me he played yoko because i just fucking i believe that the dude <laughs> could play a good yoko i i just i i have faith um oh gosh it's gonna drive me nuts now figuring out <laughs> who it was that he played but it was it was a good role I, like to watch that but yeah so here tell us about your next show my next show i've mentioned it more than once uh it is easily the show that i am most looking forward to of of this year as far as i've seen <laughs> uh no that's that's a lot of <laughs> fuck no um, I because why would I want to watch The Flash since I've seen the same shit for three seasons? Um, hey, look, here's a guy who runs fast. You can't see his face. You gotta guess who it is. Is it? Is this? Is this? Have we figured this out yet? No, no, you wouldn't figure Dick out. Um, a little bitter, a little bitter about CW. The, <laughs> forward to that is based off of a comic property, and crazily enough, is coming from Fox. How the fuck does this work? Uh, is Legion. I am just fucking salivating to see this goddamn show about a character from the comics I never really liked. Don't don't dig on Legion. Don't like the weird hair. Don't like the, the, the powers. Don't like that he's Xavier's son. Any of it is just like, well, what a bullshit fucking character this is. But it's from the people who made the Fargo series, and it looks fucking awesome and weird and creepy and dumb and smart at the same time and just like shit who who took this property and made something fucking original and interesting out, out of it because they sure as fuck aren't letting those people near the movies um and they should but god damn it 
I'm I'm excited for Legion. So if you don't know, it is about a mutant, and mutants exist. And there may be some references to the X-Men characters. There may not. There's a lot of questions about that. I don't give a fuck. Um, but if you like the X-Men stuff, then you might want to check this out. It's certainly a different take. It's as different as Deadpool was from the other X-Men movies. Uh, it's as different as Logan is promising to be from the other fucking Wolverine movies. And God damn it, if you haven't seen the Fargo series, the first two seasons have just been masterful. Um, you need to watch that too. But this will teach you as to why, I think. I have a feeling that this show is going to be epically good. And yeah. uh, I, I really hope, I really hope that that it catches on because it just looks so great. At the same time, Part of the reason why Fargo's worked so well for me is the fact that each season has been self-contained. And if it stopped coming out, I mean, I would cry. I cry a lot. But I, I would be okay mostly. You know, I'd have the shakes. I'd, my hair would be a little bit whiter. But I would be okay because it told the story that it needed to for each of those seasons. And if Legion is a one-season thing, if they if they do it the same way, it's like it's not a matter of like having to chase this thing for seven seasons. It's just here's a really good fucking show for ten episodes or whatever. And then uh, if we come back great, if not, big deal. I I I I love that. I I want to see that kind of thing happen. We'll see. But it looks no, yeah, great. Legion. Legion looks pretty cool. I mean, I've seen some of the things, and I was curious to see how it was going to work. Um. But yeah, I'm that that's one that I'm like, all right, yeah, I will definitely be checking that out. Um, coming at it strictly from the mutants side of thing because I haven't really seen Fargo. Um, which I need to fix. You I need to really fix. do. Yeah. God damn it. So good. <laughs> and on a side note, the actor who I was mentioning, Andrew Scott, who plays Moriarty in Sherlock played Paul McCartney and the movie that I was referring to is called Lennon Naked. Now here's the trick though. He plays Paul McCartney and Yoko Ono. It's the same person. <laughs> and he's just fucking with John Lennon's mind the whole fucking time, man. <laughs> you say that and I'm like and I just I just had the actress who played on there. It, she's a Japanese actress. Um and I'm I I, I am trying to pull up the the IMDb page right now. But it it's like like to say it's not fair to uh Naiko Mori who Mori who plays Yoko Ono in the show or in no, the movie. I'm just, I'm just saying fucking Paul McCartney, Mr. Ripley the fuck out of John Lennon. That's why when when they say on the album I killed Paul, it's like you thought you killed Paul, but now Paul is everywhere. Paul is everyone. Paul is your world. Wings, motherfucker. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> All the clues are there. Live and let die. Oh, God. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Michael Jackson figures into it, but I know that that was fucked up. Some KGB shit. <laughs> so my next show, keeping with the whole British thing, Greg Greg is an Anglophile here, um, is Humans. And this is airing on AMC. It has already aired on Channel 4. I don't know what you're saying, but wait, didn't mean you already watched it? No, I did not. I am saving my, I'm saving myself for AMC. 
Her um, marriage. No. <laughs> All that too. But I, it was one of those things that I forgot it was airing and it just sort of came up like, boom, humans. I'm like, wait, what? Okay, cool. And it's like February. I'm like, all right, this is actually great because I've already got way too much shit on my plate right now with like Walking Dead and all these other shows that I'm watching that I am enjoying watching. Um, so I will wait until February and where I can be like, all right, watching this and we'll call it good. But yeah, I mean, humans, for those of you guys who don't know, this is the second season slash series, depending on where you watch it, because I do that with British shows. Um, and this is the world, a, a near future world where um, androids are just commonplace. They are used as, um, you know, servants, um, both of the general like everyday usage and then the brown uh, usage um, and you fo- you are following a small group of people slash androids that are the androids are becoming sentient they are you know becoming more than just how may I help you Corey sort of deal they are <laughs> um, no one ever asked that no one ever offers. I don't get a lot of bow chicka wow wow offers either, but it's, it's fine. I, I get it. It's... <laughs> but I mean, it's such an interesting show, an interesting um, idea for a show that's well executed. Um, now, here's where I'm going to be unfair, but at the same time, fucking let's deal with reality. So. Sell me on this compared to the fact that I just watched an incredible season, I felt, my mm-hmm. opinion, may not be yours, fucking things vary, uh, of Westworld on HBO, which sounds, in basic premise, similar. So the, the tell me why the... I would watch Humans 2 well, when I already is... have Westworld. This is coming from a dude who didn't finish Westworld because he got you bored. You dumb with son it. of a bitch. I mean, I, I got bored with it. Um, I'm going to be flat out honest. I got bored watching it. I had three backed up, and I'm like, I can get sort of not watch this. Um, it because it seemed like I was watching it more for like, am I going to see Bryce Dallas Howard naked or you know, something like that than. I, I don't think that's even possible since she's not on the show. Exactly. I realized that after I said, <laughs> said that. I'm not sure would. Um, but, you know, you know, it became more of like, am I going to see nudity in here as opposed to... Well, it's an HBO story? show. You're always going to see nudity. The question should yeah. be, am I going to see dong? Because honestly, <laughs> fucking, you know, we all get it, all right? You love the tit. We all love the tit. Uh, boobs forever. Woohoo! But, you know, throw a dong out there once in a while. Be, be, be the man here. Be the fucking man. Just fucking step up. Cock out. Just cock it. It's fair. It's fucking fair. It's about fucking time. And it's fair. And I'm not saying a lot of people want to see it. No, dong ain't pretty. It's not like it's it's loving coming up to you and like if I saw it in the woods, I'd shoot it and run back to my car. I get it. But fucking fair is fucking fair. You got some good oh, yeah, looking yeah. dudes on your got some good looking mans. Put the mans out on display. Let them show as much as a woman. It, it's just it ain't right. It ain't right yeah. not to do it. So to answer your question, um, am I getting dong on humans? Because I'll watch. 
not because I want to, but because it's it's like I gotta support. I gotta support the dog no. movement is coming. Wow, no. that sounded wrong. The dog movement <laughs> is is due. Is it is it long and do you sometimes have to duck? <laughs> just like, <laughs> it's coming right at us. Um, please don't be in three D. It can't handle that. Can't, uh, but no, no, no. So honestly, um, the thing that also don't need the intimidation of a sixty inch TV with dong on yeah. it. That's just that's hard. That's <laughs> the, uh, the uh, so honestly, the big the part for me that was that was the big part for humans that the big part. Woof. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> that sold me on it is the fact that there's a, an actual protagonist like going through Westworld and maybe you know maybe it was one of those like if I watched you know the final episodes I would found out who the antagonist is but you have from the beginning you have these clear lines um, of here's a group of people and androids that are pro sentient life um pro you know they are actual you know they they should be allowed to you know just be you know like yes they could feel pain they could do all this stuff then you have this other group over here who is like that is wrong that should not be happening they are servants they are not they are not living people they are just robots and then you got this family in the middle who has the main um, beat can you throw up that graphic again the main um robot that you see there um played by Gemma chan and they are in this world where they're they have to decide well which side is right which side you know how where do i where do i go you know here you know the, you got and you're quickly realizing with the dude on the right um who is actually a cyborg. Um, it, the only difference is he doesn't have a mother box in him. Like the DC comic cyborg has, he has uh, like, these are his brothers and sisters essentially is how he sees it. Um, and I, I look through, I watch the show and I know who I side with. I know. Okay. Yes, the blonde, the blonde chick in there is a little bit of a dick, and she's a little bit more extreme. And you have these variants of how how much they like, because she would be like destroy all humans. She would be full on Dalek. Um, thanks, but you can you can take that down before we get taken down ourselves. <laughs> um, all right, but, but you you definitely you find it to be the the superior show for your choices. Yeah, it's it's to me it's more compelling, and it's so. it's I, I hate saying that because I did enjoy Westworld in the beginning. It's just it became a, a little bit boring. Like it was just like, all right, I'm watching this again. And, Look, you know, I, I, love, I, I value I, your very wrong opinion, and uh, I appreciate <laughs> you being so open with it, knowing that um you know you will be mocked mercilessly from here on. No, I get it, man. It's cool. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it'll probably be one of those things like where I will eat crow and I'll be like, all right, so I watched no, the last four episodes. No, 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 no. Yeah. You don't. No, I've done it before. But that's no. that's okay. The, the thing is, is that <laughs> it's, it's important with the, the amount of choices we have, you've got to recognize what works for you and, and what doesn't. And yes, yeah, some shows take more dedication, but no one can tell you how dedicated you should be to something oh, yeah. before it gets good for you. And, mm -hmm. and when you hit your stopping point of like, I can't, 
I can't really get into this, then then you just go. You there's yeah. so much more out there to to find the better things for your tastes. Um and that's what we do here. That's what we try to do is we try to tell you the things that we think are interesting and, and we try to help you find things that will be interesting for you. But man, like the same thing with pot. We give our scores and shit, but we know our scores are not going to match up with everybody else's taste. And and that's cool because the the diversity is what makes it great. Also, what makes it great is when you have a guest come on that recommends Edward Scissorhands. Or Dong. <laughs> so, Corey, you have a show here that you've recommended. Um, very similar to I, your last show. Well, no. I'm not recommending this. Okay. Let, let's let's step back. I'm I'm looking at it because here's the thing is that in in 2016, we have seen two dc movies um which i have felt have been okay down to the fuck you thinking man and 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 that's an official rating (laughs) and then we've had some marvel movies which i think have been pretty good to yeah really fucking good yeah which still does not mean that either of them are my favorites um what I'm trying to find is some connection to DC universe as far as a, a like film or television program. Now the, the justice league action cartoon, I watched the premiere of that. Oh fuck. I forgot that. Yeah. I I fucking liked it a lot because it felt not exactly like, but close to the, the Dini slash Burnett, stuff uh the Dwayne McDuffie written stuff for for Justice League Unlimited I think I think it's it's a pretty solid cartoon but I want to see what DC can do with live action stuff and this is a very different take uh, because it's a sitcom starring regular people in the DC universe trying to do their regular stuff it's called Powerless and it's got uh, Vanessa Hudgens. It's got Alan Tudyk. It's got uh, Abed. Uh, what, is, what is the guy who plays Abed's name? God damn it. Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi. Um, and they they will Ron have Funches. interactions. What? Ron Funches. Oh, I didn't realize. That's right. Ron Funches came in later. He was added in. And man, I want to see Ron Funches have success on a fucking show. Thank you, NBC, for giving him another chance because all the things <laughs> you can say about Dateless being uh, what it fucking was, uh, it, 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 it still, it, it was fun to watch those people uh, play around with each other. And, and Ron Funches is just a barrel full of fucking joy uh, dipped in honey. And and I, I'd like to see him, you know, succeed. So it, it's about these people who work and, and exist in a world where superheroes also exist and kind of dealing with it i don't expect these superhero stuff to be a big part of it i think it's going to be a springboard for other storylines fucking alan tudyk i will watch any fucking thing that guy's in uh except for certainly i i can't i still can't do it because it makes me cry um but he was he was just in rogue one he was fucking brilliant in that he he usually is uh i i will keep following around 
Uh, he's he's my man love. If he wants to show up on Westworld and show Dong, I'm I'm all for it. But just in general, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give this a chance. I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know what to expect. It's a comedy on NBC, which is already tough these days to be in. And uh, it's it's regular people in a superhero universe. Also kind of fucking tough, uh, just as a selling point. We'll see. I, I don't know. Has Vanessa Hutchins had a lead show before since like fucking high school musical days? She's done a lot of things. She's She's been in movies and stuff, but I haven't seen her in a lead in a long time. Uh, so uh, she certainly... She's um, got experience. I say got she was, yeah, I want to say she was in one of the uh um the the NBC movies or the NBC, you know, the live things. Uh um, I know Victoria Justice was just on Fox's Rocky Horror remake, but I don't know if Vanessa yeah. Hutchins is done. Uh but maybe, but still it's like this, I think this is probably her like first lead show that she's done that I can think of, and and it, it she, seems she was on like Greece. she was. Oh yeah, okay, so she, she was. Yeah, that makes she, sense. She played Betty. She played Betty Rizzo. Um, oh. but I mean, this for a lead thing. This is her first, really, her first thing since. I mean, the High School Musical stuff. Yeah, because and, and I, I think it's a long time a, coming. I think that she's. She's a talented young actress, um, and it 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 may be the makings of even if the show isn't the right fit for her, it may be the makings of what launches her into the next thing, and she she jumps around until she finds something that fits. But it, she yeah. she's due. Uh, Danny Pudi is always fun, always fun to see in anything. So I I expect that I want to support it because of the the people in it. But since we've seen no real footage still, and they've been talking about the show for a fucking year and a half, uh, and we've seen stills from it for a long time, it's just surprising that this hasn't been shown more. I, I kind of question how much faith they have in it. I really hope that um, that it lands with an audience somehow or another. But we'll see. I mean, at least it's not on Fox. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly the the big red flag is that we've still seen the same posters um you know like the the drawn one from uh comic-con that had ron funches before and i I guess he cut his hair and shaved his beard for the part and stuff like that but we haven't seen any commercials and usually if anyone if anyone thinks that a show is going to do remotely good from these marketing company or from these companies, they will market the hell out of that show. I mean, I'll I'll be honest. It's not like I'm fucking watching NBC to see commercials for it, but well, no, even then like, like watching, you know, for example, I don't watch a lot of Fox, you know, I watch like, you know, son of Zorn and new girl. I, I was like, there's another show I watch. I know there is. Um, and that's sort of it. And I've seen in every single ad break since November, a commercial for the Mick, which airs this coming Sunday, you know, on the first, 
and yet I watch more NBC shows. I watch This Is Us. I watch, you know, ton or mo way more NBC programming than I do eight or Fox have not seen a single commercial. There's not even one on YouTube from a commercial for Powerless. So that does put a little bit of fear in into me right now. Just because there's no, you know, there's NBC has been powerless in showing us clips about power of powerless. Slam. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. You know, I, I like I said, I, yeah. I put it on my list not to rip on it. I put it on my list because I I want to hope. give it a chance. Yeah. It, hope is is so that's a that's a killing word now that fucking Snyder ruined it with Man of Steel. Um, but <laughs> I, I just I, I want to believe. Yes. You, you want to be a true believer. Oh, wait, wrong, wait, wrong, wrong, wrong. Into her. Sorry. Sorry. Um, my show, my next show that I got that I want to bring light on um, is actually taking over the Legends of Tomorrow time slot on Thursdays, Thursdays at 10 on the CW. And this is another comic book show but it's not in the dc universe this is riverdale this is the new um archie live action tv show that at first when i saw this stuff and i saw the casting i'm like i don't know you know i don't think i could see um i think it's cole sprouse you know from the from the sweet life of zach and cody playing jughead and yet now i'm like Nope, I see it. I could see him playing Jughead. I'll tell you what I have a problem and, with is this KJ Appa kid who has black eyebrows with his red hair, and I just have zero buy-in to him being a, a redhead, let alone yeah. Archie Andrews. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it's like I'm starting to see this, especially with I think what help, what's what been helping is reading the Mark Wade uh, stuff, the rebooted Archie universe that they got going on right now. And, you know, thoroughly enjoying that, you know, loving Chip Zdarsky's run on um, on uh, Jughead with Erica Henderson doing the art, going over to uh, Ryan North. And, you know, I've, I've read everything and it's like I want there to be something in there that I can drop. But it's all been so good. Like, like I'm reading what Archie, Betty and Veronica, Jughead. Um, there is no uh, Josie and the Pussycats, and it's like I want to drop one because I'm reading way too many. I hate to say, it, but I'm reading way too many comic books. But it's like I can't because they're all good, and that's what I'm hoping comes out of the show. Is just like I want to drop this, sh I, like I want to drop this show, but I can't because it is good and all that. But I figure uh, just, the creator of the show that. is Roberto Aguirre uh, Sacasa, who writes for Archie Comics. I think he was doing the Afterlife with Archie comic. Uh, he's written a lot of different things that I like throughout the years. Yeah. I just, I'm not there on this one. I I, I, yeah. I I get that the modern Archie is is more of this type, but this looks like Dawson's Creek with a Gossip Girl murder mystery feel to it. And I'm not... I'm, it's not just that I'm not the audience for this, which I already know I'm not. Um, I think the people who worked on Gossip Girl actually worked on this too. 
And I know that that already is not a show that I was interested in. But more than that is it. And, and I know it's a failing of my own. I'm I'm sort of an Archie purist. I don't want to see Archie and Cheryl Blossom and Betty and Veronica and all these people. I don't want to see emo Jughead. I, I don't want to mm-hmm. see these characters named as characters that I know, but acting completely different from the characters I know. And and we know that that's something that I have a problem with because I have a problem with Superman who doesn't act like fucking Superman. Uh, yeah. The Superman on the Supergirl show is great. He's what I want a Superman on screen to be. And the Superman in the films is like Superman in costume only. I mean, half the time they don't even call him Superman. I, I don't, I don't dig on that, but I accept that these things are not just made for me. They're made for other people. And mm-hmm. and they're certainly pulling out this, all the stops with like getting people like Luke Perry is playing Archie's dad. Uh, I saw that Molly Ringwald is going to be involved in the show. I think is Archie's mom. That that's great. You know, that's, that's stunt casting, but I don't have a problem with stunt casting, especially when it's smartly done. Yeah. Um, I just, I can't, look at this and have any kind of buy-in for it at this point. It's just everything about it. None of it feels like Archie at all to me. And on top of that, none of it feels like a show that is interesting to me um, because it feels like other CW shows that have already existed. And I've already been burnt out by most of their stuff. As it was. You want you want to know what I I want to have happen in the future, with you know a year like a year or two from now when they say they announce that they're doing the release of Cloak and Dagger, and I say all this stuff, I want you to remind me like if if you started watching it and like and be like hey remember Riverdale, and I'd be like oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing though <laughs> is that I, I'll be honest, I was never a big fan of Cloak and Dagger to begin with. I well, have no, a. It, I, I grew up with Archie comics. I, I was probably reading Archie as as young as like four years old. Um, and and there was Archie, there was little Archie, there were all the Archie books. And I still see Archie digests in Safeway, which is amazing to me. Um, they still and I, I, I get the nostalgic of like, fucking, there's an Archie comic. It's $1.79. I can get it right now. It's got like five stories in it. Uh, they may not be great, but they're fucking, it's timeless. It's like McDonald's yep. cheeseburgers. Uh, it, it's it's not great food. It's not super good for you or nutritious, but it it tastes good enough, and it, it makes you feel like you felt when you first had it thirty years ago. I, I I I totally have that feeling of nostalgia when it comes to these characters, which is why I can't disconnect from it. And I haven't been reading the Mark Wade stuff. I haven't been reading the Sadarsky stuff or any of those things. And I know that those are all creators who are bringing something new to it. And that newness is springboarding into the these projects and stuff. And I, I totally get it. It's just not for me. No, yeah. And I do think you would like the comics a little bit more um, <clears throat> because of the fact that not only are, is it there, but I'll use the Mark Wade ish, uh, for example, or yeah, the Mark Wade uh, with him doing uh, Archie, for instance. You take the first issue and every single issue of of Archie, of Jughead, of Betty and Veronica, of Josie and the Pussycats, I think even with uh, Life with Kevin, um, is they feature a backstory, a separate story from the originals, from the stuff done before. 
So, for example, that first issue of Archie Comics that was written by Mark Wade, drawn by Fiona Staples, it featured the very first issue of Archie, the very first story with a foreword, which is weird because it takes place after the original story, but with a foreword by Mark Wade on why he picked this that story to be the first one and what it meant. And, you know, just Mark Wade being Mark Wade, being a fantastic freaking comic book historian and just yeah. educating the the new comic book reader in there and every single one has done that from either the art the writer if not the editor of the book um in there which is has been really cool yeah i i just when i see a show like this get made it's the same sort of mentality as like taking Casper the Friendly Ghost and making him extreme in the 90s and giving him a skateboard and like he, <laughs> he fucking hangs out the mall and shit, but he's a ghost. And uh, it, it's it's like it's trying to modernize it for a new audience and, and missing the point of, well, there was an audience for Archie and there continues to be an audience for Archie that enjoys Archie. And it may not be huge, although Archie has bigger distribution than pretty much any other comic out there because it goes into grocery stores and stuff. But we're just going to, we're going to make it something else to, to pretend Archie people into getting into it who would never read a fucking Archie comic. It's like, well then why are you making an Archie show? Is it just because you've got the IP and you just need to sell it? I I just, I don't understand conceptually of like, we're going to change everything about, the characters and the premise and the situations. I bet there's no fucking malt shop for called pops. Uh, and if there is, it, it's going to be like somebody got murdered there. I, I just, I don't get why you take an IP and apply it to something where it doesn't make sense for, and make it its own, it, the whole new thing to be permanently going forward for that. It, it's like the afterlife with Archie comics were fun as an idea, but it wasn't supposed to replace Archie um the the new ideas of the comics and stuff like that that they're doing great fun but it's still not supposed to replace Archie as Archie is it, it's it's a new take and it does it and an alternate kind of universe sort of thing but Archie has grown Archie's progressed over the years and and if this is a natural progression that's fine you know I, I and I'm not the super Archie fan of the world I've just like I look at this and I just can't see why yeah but it's cool yeah that's, a lot of young kids um, fucking 902 on one and up it's a it's, yeah. <laughs> that's it go man yeah you do what you're gonna do but the dude fucking why can't you get a real redhead to play the lead i mean that's just yeah fucked up so you have a yeah i, I skipped over one show but i can get, I get to that afterwards you got one last show here um that we already watch. We we talk about this occasionally, but you're you're still excited for it. God damn it! It's it's like so. W- what I'm going to talk about, and and I'm just going to say it tersely because we all know what it fucking is. Last week tonight with John Oliver, and now I mean people have have made some insinuations that if fucking John Stewart was still in the air, the Trump thing would probably never happen. I don't know. Fuck it. I don't know. But. We need John Stewart right now, and we don't have him, but we've got some great 
people in his place. Uh, Samantha Bee's show is really good um, and has kind of helped keep me sane in, in a time of craziness. Uh, Seth Meyers has been doing some really good stuff about this stuff. Stephen Colbert has been doing some great stuff, but I don't think anybody has nailed it. And and part of it is the fact that it's on HBO. Part of it is that he saves it up for one night a week. And, and plus it's just that he's fucking John Oliver. John Oliver gets it. And as we go into this new year and we go into this new presidency and we go into, um, yeah, fucking danger. Um, <laughs> well, though, I'm not going to do the dance. Uh, I need John Oliver. My heart, my soul needs John Oliver to fucking make some fucking sense for me right now and to give me a, a sense of hope at the same time of pointing out the bullshit and just showing us that there are things that are going to happen that are going to not make sense. And there are things that are going to happen and, and, and we're going to feel distraught. We're going to feel lost. We're going to feel beat up. We're going to feel like the world has gone really fucking dark. Um, but we're going to get to celebrate the fact that there's some intelligence out there. There's some reason out there. There's some love out there. Uh, in in the same breaths, and I just I really hope that at this point in time, when we're going to need comedy most of all, uh, we're going to need satire a lot, and people are going to try to label it fake news, uh, not understanding what the difference is. I I feel like this is going to be what I'm going to cling to right now, uh, as I, I as I hide more and more from my Facebook feed as I hide more and more from uh, the the news aggregators that are just trying to like beat me down with shit. It's like, look, I know the world's a crappy place. Like I said, you can concentrate on death or you can concentrate on life. You can concentrate on bad, you can concentrate on good. Now, you have to look at the bad. You have to know, you have to see the things that are out there that you, you want to affect change in, but you don't want to just drown in it. And and I need something to counterbalance. I need something to to keep my hope afloat. And yeah. I think that that's what John Oliver does. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, I, and anybody I, who disagrees with me politically, I I totally get it. I understand. I I I, I value that you have your differing opinions. Uh, it's not a me against you thing. It's just that. You know what? Well, I mean, what you feel like you you felt for the last eight years under the Democratic president, um, for whatever reasons, th that's where we're at now. And and I I think that that's often what happens. I I look at it as a as a more social aspect of I have people I care about who are already going to be greatly affected by some of the things that are going to be changing, and and I worry for them. Yeah. And I mean, I look at it, you know, not only for the fact that he covered um, the whole, he was basically on the air for the whole election, but you look at the fact that, <clears throat> excuse me, that he did that for his A block, for his main story. Yeah, he did talk about a few other things, but he would shed light on and will, when, you know, when it com the show comes back shed light on something that you're like well i guess i thought about that in you know in like a 
in a basic thing, but not in a like like I think the first it goes season, into the the depth of it. Yeah, like he yeah. covered the, the whole the Flint water crisis thing, and um, and just so had the uh, you know, gave it depth to for people, you know, all the way across in California, and who went who were like Flint, where the fuck is Flint at? You know, with Corey being one of the few exceptions because he's from Michigan. He knows yeah. where Flint's been. He's probably been to Flint. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Uh, one of my one of my closest friends when I was still in Michigan lived in Flint. A lot of my family is right by Flint, um, yeah. but not in Flint. And and there's a difference. There's things to know is that there's differences. It's just like if you live in California, you don't fucking just automatically live in L.A. Uh, or yeah. San Francisco. You've realized that there's a north and a south. But uh, Beatmaster's pointing out that he he probably helped influence a lot of the stuff with the FCC. <laughs> the other thing is just in general, I I prefer someone who doesn't just take one side. Now, obviously, John Oliver tends towards the left socially, as I do, um, just like John Stewart did, just like Stephen Colbert did, but parodied the right doing it. Um, but he will call out shit on his own side. And and that's that's something else I need. I need to know that it's okay. I don't expect you to not have a bias, but I do expect you to be able to go outside of your bias in the name of the truth. And yeah. it's weird to be talking about that in relation to a comedian. Yeah. But that's what that's what's happened is our comedians have become better sources of our news than our news sources who label themselves as and, entertainment. <laughs> you, know? you, you've, you've nailed it on the head. I mean, you. I look at, as a recent example, the uh, that Tommy, whatever her name is, that when she appeared on The Daily Show, Beatmaster pointed it out to, to me. I had fallen a couple episodes behind on The Daily Show, and I watched the interview, and I'm like, all right, this is the problem I have with, with a lot of the journalists who lean super left or super right because they will dodge it dodge and weave a question like they are a fucking boxer you know he they brought he he uh i'm like trevor noah brought up the point of with uh the qb for colin cap colin kaepernick for the uh, 49ers how he would take a knee during the pledge of allegiance now, say what you will about that fact that he did that as a sign of protest for Black Lives Matter. And I'm going to hit a whole bunch of hub and issues and I don't give a fuck. Um, he, would, he said, well, he, he asked her the simple question. What should he have done? He's taking his much like she t- gets to take her her Facebook live video, whatever, however she airs her videos out there and she gets to stand up on her soapbox and say the thing she wants to her audience that was him doing the same thing yeah everybody likes to everybody likes to say oh i don't want to hear celebrities opinions on politics and stuff they don't why do i have to hear that they should just shut up and act it's like um but everybody that you ever listen to about anything you're listening to them because they're a celebrity uh if you're listening to your fox news people or your your glenn becks or whoever 
they're a celebrity and and they get to tell you their opinions because of their celebrity if if it, you're just want to close off everything then go behind your tv yank that fucking cord out of the wall shove <laughs> it outside and sit down in a blank room and listen to your own fucking thoughts for a while i bet you it's going to be really quiet but okay because that's what fucking it is is everybody is allowed to have an opinion and if you're a celebrity then maybe your opinion gets a little bit louder than everybody else's but it doesn't mean that you have to fucking accept what they say is truth. You still get to make your own fucking judgment. You get to act like a fucking grown up once in a while and figure it out for your own fucking self. But fucking realize that the world is not just going to sit around and wait for you to decide. We all have our own motivations. We all have our own shit to do. We're all figuring it out for ourselves. And we're maybe at best trying to inform people. And at worst, maybe trying to just fucking upper own popularity chain sometimes that happens yeah and i mean i don't know i'm i'm also excited to see john oliver come back for this reason um but yeah so the show that i skipped and this is the last show we'll talk about is man seeking woman this is on fxx this is the third season that they had and this one is hitting a very specific niche i have and that's the absurd humor um because a lot of the um shows here or you know with this um you're following a 20 something year old named uh played by jay baruchel as he's going through life um it's part it's not the creator but he's um, an executive producer he's also the director for portlandia with uh jonathan chrysal um and so I saw that and I'm like, oh, well, I enjoy his stuff and Portlandia. I'll probably enjoy this too. And sure enough, I did. It is so freaky, weird. Like they had in one of the first episodes in the first season, he actually, I think it was the pilot actually, he, uh, his, the main character was actually going out with an internet troll and it was an actual troll. And it's, you know, it's the funny moments like that, that make, that I really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, it's one of the shows that I just really like, and I'm like, oh, hey, it's coming back. Cool. A reason to watch FXX now that the league is canceled or has ended and all that. Yeah. I mean, FXX, I, this, the absurdity is probably what would attract me to the show. I have not watched it, but the problem I was having with FXX for a while is that a lot of their, their comedy shows we're working extra hard to not be funny. Um, yeah. Like uh, baskets. Holy shit, man. You you tell me that Zach Galifianakis is going to play a clown and then Louis Anderson is going to play his mom and, and expect me not to think that this is going to be fucking hilarious and then just give me just misery for fucking 20 minutes at a shit pop. It's like, what the fuck did you just do? I get no <laughs> fucking joy out of that. Show. My wife and I watch it and like, I have never been so bored. I want to. I want to stick things in myself just yeah. to make sure I'm still alive. This is fucking awful. Um, and 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 other shows that even though they they might be brilliant, like Louis, it doesn't mean that it's it's a joy uh, or enjoyable to like watch. The the stories are hard. It's 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 art more than it's comedy. And I, I'm I, not. I, I'm not saying that that's not okay, but it's just like yeah. you've hit this point on your shows where. I can't, I can't fucking do it anymore, man. 
I hate to tell you this, but your problem isn't that. Your problem is that you, much like a lot of other people, don't know which shows air on which network. Because both the shows that you just gave the example of air on FX. Yeah, but it's the same goddamn thing. Because half no, the no. good shows of, of XX went over to FXX, and then they're, they're it just like, it fucks you here, fucks you there. It's, fucking use a vowel once in a while, people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's... It is a fun show, um, and I look forward to seeing the next season. I believe it's in February. Um, but yeah, so that is going to do it here for us. Um, you could find us by by uh, leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsnerds.com. Um, all these subscription options can be found under gncast.com slash subscribe. Um, you could join our Facebook group by searching for Galactic Network or going to facebook.com slash Galactic Netcasts. You can follow the Twitter, uh, follow the show on Twitter or the network at, Galact- at Elsnerds at Galactic Netcasts. Um, you can follow our producers, Beatmasters at Beatmaster80, Evans at Mr. Underscore Fusion. You can find me at that Gregor. Corey, where can people find you? Uh, they can find the comics that I help uh, publish at donutscomics.com. Also, if you go over to Whatpad, uh, and look up Captain Temerity. Uh, I wrote a couple short stories. It's It's been a, a bleak year for me for writing, but one of the stories I did actually get done this year, I'm really kind of proud of, and I may actually be trying to submit it uh, to a, a magazine this coming year. Uh, but I, I'd still value people's opinions on it since I'm I'm kind of new at this, and I'm no JF DeBoe. I'm not prolific. I, I, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a sore heart that just needs a little love in it just needs a little love and and some some dong so uh whichever one you can provide <laughs> go to whatpad.com and look up <laughs> captain Smarty. read the lombard let me know what you think i'd appreciate feedback nice um what we need to do is get your feedback from jeff dubow man he knows where yeah. i am um so the final thing to be said is this has been a don't tell glenn production we'll see you guys next week or else dong This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. (laughs) Dong.